You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. You ever been home watching television and, you know, you're just kind of sitting there and, uh, you know, flipping by and then they'll, they'll bring ads out on the television uh, like this, especially some of the car ads that will advertise that you can, you know, drive this really nice car for, uh, you know, a new car uh, for like, uh, you know, ninety nine ninety five or something like that. And uh, or they advertise like a really low interest rate, like zero percent interest or zero point nine percent interest or, uh, you know, two point nine nine, whatever the case is. And uh, and you see that and you think that sounds like a good deal. And, and you decide to go down to the dealership where they sell that particular brand of car. But when you get there, you find out that even though they said anyone can come and get this car, you know, in the ad, that's the way it seemed to be presented. When you go to check on it, you actually find out that there is some fine print at the bottom of the screen that you didn't have time to read. Have you ever done that, you know? And, and you think it was, for you, a deal that you could get. But then you go and find out that the ad really didn't mean anyone or everyone in the small print, it said, you know, with uh, qualifying, you know, financial status, you know, whatever it might be. So you, you go and you thought it was for everyone, and then you find out it wasn't really for everyone. It's, it's for the people that had a certain credit rating. Now, I've always wondered about that kind of stuff because the deal with that is this. If you have that good of a credit rating and you're that financially stable, you don't need the good deal to start with. You understand what I'm saying? You don't need the low interest rate. So it's as though they offer the interest rate to people that don't really need it and the people that are sitting there thinking, wow, I can get that car for that price. And then you go and try and get it at that price. You find out that anyone didn't really mean anyone. That it meant anyone if you had the credit that would allow you to get it at 0.9% interest or whatever the case is. Or it might be in a, something like a cell phone ad, you know, or cable TV ad or something. They're advertising this, this cheap price. You might already even be a customer. And you think, man, that's cheaper than what I'm paying right now. So I'm going to call them up and I'm going to ask to be put on that deal. And it sounded like, you know, hey, come and get this. It's a special price. You know, you can get it for this price. But then when you call, you find out that it's kind of for an exclusive group of people. And since you're already a customer, you can't get it. I mean, it's like they treat their new friends better than their old friends. You know, that kind of you know, type thing. You thought it was for you, you thought it was for everyone, but then you go and find out, no, it's just for an exclusive group of people. So we've been conditioned a little bit by our culture when we hear the word anyone to think, well, yeah, but there's some strings attached. I mean, there, there, there's some other facts they're not telling us, there's some other fees attached, there's some, some fine print that's there, and... And, and we've gotten to the point that we really don't think anyone means anyone. Jesus, though, when Jesus said anyone, he actually meant anyone. In this passage of Scripture, Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus 
said this. The, the Bible said, and he said, talking about Jesus, and he said to all, by the way, we'll talk about that in a moment. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said anyone, but because of the experiences we've had with some of those ads, we kind of think, yeah, but there's some kind of catch, you know? He didn't really mean anyone. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus did mean anyone. And Jesus gives an open invitation, and that's what we're going to talk about today, an open invitation from Jesus. And like I said, we've been so conditioned by someone saying, oh, this deal's for you, everybody can have it, and you find out it wasn't really for you because of the fine print, that we really are skeptical about things like this. What we're going to do today is look at this open invitation from Jesus and, and try and, and look at, at the fine print and understand that it is anyone. Now, even before we get there, before we jump into that, just stop and think for a minute. And, and listen to what I'm about to say. I think the last, you know, the early morning crowd, it was still early, and they were like, huh? You know? Listen to what I'm about to say. And, and, and respond accordingly. Aren't you glad Jesus said anyone? I see part of you are awake and appreciate that. I'm glad he did not just say the pretty people. I'm glad he didn't just say the rich people. I'm glad he didn't just say the, you know, people plenty of hair on top of their head. Some of you guys like me appreciate that. I'm glad Jesus didn't just say, if you think you've got it all together. I'm glad Jesus said, anyone. And you see, the difference between an open invitation from Jesus and the one you get on television is the one on television, it sounds like it's anyone, but you go to check it out and it's not really for anyone. The open invitation that Jesus gives the reason you ought to be blessed by that instead of you being a spectator on a television and you find out that deal wasn't really for you, the invitation that Jesus gives, i got news for you, the deal is really for you. It's really for you. So, so as we think about this open invitation of Jesus, let's look at some of the, the fine print maybe and see what we discover because we are kind of skeptical about this. So, so as we consider the open invitation of Jesus, here, here's the first thing we need to notice. The first thing is simply this. Anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome. He, he said to all, if, if anyone. But like I've already you know, kind of said to you, because we've been so conditioned by, by deals that seem to be bigger and better than they should be, we think then, well, it's some catch is not really for us, then some people are a little bit hesitant about this one. But, but Jesus said this. He, he said to all, if, if anyone. The truth of the matter is there's no catch. There's no fine print. There's no extra fee to pay. When Jesus says anyone, that's exactly what he means. Now, to convince you of that, we're going to do a really deep word study. Anyone, guess what it means? Greek word means if any, if any man, whosoever, it's the way it's translated. The first part of that verse 
told us that he said to all, talking about Jesus, guess what the word all means? <laughs> all, any, every, the whole. Jesus meant what he said when he said anyone. And to be honest with you, in that day and time, and, and I'll give you more of the cultural background of that in a second, but in that day and time, when people would have looked in the society of Jesus' day, when people would have looked at the disciples of Jesus, the ones that were following him, they would have instantly got the message, hey, he really means anyone. Look at that bunch. Because inside of his disciples, and sometimes I'll say this about Peter, and some of you, some of you need to lighten up about some of this stuff, because I've said this about Peter before, and it's like, how dare you talk about Peter like that? Hey, Peter's as human as I am and you are. And we're told the good, bad, and the ugly in the Bible. And a lot of times, the reason I call Peter this is because he did it a whole lot. Peter's kind of mister, stick your foot in your mouth, huh? And, and wrestle with anger issues. He's one of the disciples. There's two other guys we talked about some a few weeks ago. James and John. Their nicknames were the sons of thunder. In other words, they're kind of loud and boisterous. They maybe give you the image of, of, of the guy that might be standing on the, pre, on the street with a 10-pound Bible and a big sign, you're going to hell. You know, maybe, maybe that kind of image. There, there's a guy there that we refer to as Doubting Thomas, and we even call people today that you know, seem to doubt stuff all the time. We refer to them as Doubting Thomases because of the fact that Thomas you know, seemed to be doubting and have, you know, a little bit of lack of faith in the fact that Jesus had took his life back up. There, there, there's, a, there's a guy there that's like some stinking IRS guy. If you work for the IRS, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like there's a stinking IRS type dude called Matthew that collected taxes. And everybody hated him because he worked for the Roman Empire. The religious crowd of that day couldn't stand him because he worked for the Romans. Collecting taxes. And then he had a group of people following him also that, that smelled like stinking fish because that's what they did for a living. They were fishermen, uneducated, common fishermen. So when people heard Jesus say anyone and then they looked at the disciples of Jesus, it would have been clearly illustrated to them that Jesus really meant anyone. And you see, the truth of the matter about that is today that ought to be a blessing for us, and it ought to be a blessing too, because you know we're, we're kind of a hodgepodge group ourselves, aren't we? There anybody here that deserves to be following Jesus? And yet the fact that we're messed up and we've got messed up past and everything like that, and yet you know we are following Jesus or we can follow Jesus and we have trust in Jesus you know what that communicates to a lost world out here because they see us you think you've got it okay and you've got them fooled they look at you and they know you're a screw up that that communicates to them hey if that person would be accepted by Jesus just maybe I can be that person can follow Jesus just maybe I can follow Jesus See, see, to get a picture of the background there, to understand that a little bit more, Jesus, even though he was kind of unconventional for his day, and, you know, homeless and everything like that, he was still a rabbi. And in that culture, in that damn time, rabbi was, man, that's like an elevated status. 
You know, people would have looked at him, you know, at, at a teacher, and, and it was like a goal even of little Jewish kids to be able one day to be accepted into the school of a rabbi, to be able to sit at the feet of a rabbi, to, to be able to follow a rabbi, you know, some, some great teacher. So Jesus, even though he was a little bit different than the other rabbis, he was considered a rabbi. And the students that would follow a rabbi, they, they were called Talmud. And, and Talmud just simply means this. It, it, it translates into someone that's a disciple or someone that's a, a student. So every rabbi had a group of Talmuds that were following him. But in order to follow him, they had to kind of be an exclusive group you know in order to be a student of a of a rabbi you had to make the cut you had to meet the qualifications and if you didn't do that you were kind of told in an early age hey you, you know you just don't have it going on you know you you, you can't remember all the bible you're not be able to memorize all of it and and you're not really going to fit as a student of a rabbi the best thing you can do is just you know your dad's a fisherman you could be a fisherman or your dad's a carpenter you could be a carpenter or, you know, some kind of tradesman. You, you go and serve in the same type of trade your family has because you're just not cutting it. You're not going to make it as a student of a rabbi. And that's why you had the people that were fishermen and, and so forth like that. Guess what? That's the ones Jesus called. See, the reason the rabbis would be a little bit exclusive in who they accepted is this. If, if a rabbi was known for having really, really quality students following him, his town meet, you know, were really smart and things like that, then that was a reflection upon maybe how great he was. But if it was kind of, you know, people that just didn't get it and they were really struggling to get it, that was also a reflection maybe of, of how good the teacher was. And you see, in order to make it into the rabbi school, and it said under the feet of rabbi, you had to there's some huge stuff you kind of had to be able to do. I mean, the rabbi might say, all right, if you want to follow me, you know, let's have a meeting, let's sit down and sit down. And, and he might say, you know, quote for me the first five books of the Bible. Or quote for me this chapter in the Bible. Or tell me how many times in, in what uses the, the name of God appears in Leviticus chapter 11 or something like that. And then just off the top of your head, you know, you, you have to have that down and you're, and you're spouting that out. It'd be the equivalent today, kindly, of this. If you want to go to Harvard, you've got to show up with more than a 2.9 GPA. You understand that? I mean, you've you got to have a SAT score up here instead of down here if you're going to be accepted into Harvard. Kind of similar scenario. If you wanted to be a Talmud and be following a rabbi, you had to really nail it. You had to meet a bunch of qualifications. And if not, you're kind of said, well, you're just not going to make it. Here, go do this. But then Jesus shows up and he starts breaking all the rabbi rules. And Jesus is walking up to common people like fishermen. And he's saying, follow me. He didn't ask them to recite a bunch of stuff. He, he, he didn't ask them, you know, are you from a long line of potential rabbi students? 
He just looked at them and he said, follow me. And by the way, as you follow me, I'm going to change your existence. I'm going to change you from catching fish to catching men. You come and follow me and I'm going to change stuff about your life. And all of a sudden, that message starts getting out that there's this rabbi that's inviting common people to follow him. And, and some of the people in that day, some of the crowd in that day, you know, would, would be thinking, how in the world? I mean, he's even got a, a tax collector by the name of Matthew that works for the Romans. Check out the screen for a minute. When Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, he was making it clear that his invitation to follow is not just for the religious elite or for the morally upright, for those who have their lives together. His invitation is for all of us who are hiding some stains. Jesus said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Anyone. Anyone is a pretty inclusive word. Anyone can follow Jesus. Anyone who's ever thought to themselves, I've gone too far, my stain is too big. Anyone who's ever laid awake at night and said, I can't believe what I've done. Anyone who's ever looked in the mirror and said to themselves, I can't believe what I've become. Anyone can follow. So in that day and time, here's Jesus with a tax collector, with some political hotheads, with some fishermen. And these are his disciples. And a lot of the crowd in that day and time would have kind of looked at that group and shook their head and, and, and you know, maybe said some stuff like this or thought some stuff like this. You know, these, these are his disciples. These are the ones that, that he's chosen to follow him. These, these are nobodies. They're nobodies. They're, some of them that used to be fishermen. They still smell like fishermen. There's some of them just a bunch of political hotheads, and they're just you know, meeting all the time trying to figure out, let's how to chase the Romans off. And, and there's this guy by the name of Matthew that's actually working for them as a tax collector. They could have had that type of that type of attitude. And have been shaking their heads and saying, you know, who, who are these people? How can these people follow Jesus? But you see, that's, that's the, the grand thing about the invitation that Jesus gives. Jesus gave an invitation that was to anyone to follow him. Jesus gave an invitation that it, it, it didn't matter, you know, who you were or, or what you had done. Or maybe how the religious people were viewing you because you're a tax collector. Jesus gave an invitation for anyone to follow him. And that's where we have a problem with it sometimes. And I'll, we'll see that more as we go into the message. But we start thinking, really? You see, and it's still true today. The invitation that Jesus gave then is an invitation that he still gives today to anyone. Anyone. Can follow him. Now I'm going to describe why in just a moment, but you see the what the reason we get that screwed up a lot of times at church and messed up is that we start trying to get them to be disciples before they even know Jesus. 
they're not going to show up okay. You understand that? We shouldn't expect them to show up okay. You and I weren't okay. They're going to show up in their mess. Jesus said anyone, and he meant anyone, no matter what they have done, anyone. Think of what he says and what the Bible says in John, for a moment, John chapter 3. Next slide. Go on beyond, yeah. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus is using the illustration that happened in the Old Testament. If you remember the children of Israel have been uh, griping like they never did that, you know. And uh, all of a sudden these uh, fiery serpents come in and bite them and they're all, you know, sick and kind of about to die and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Moses seeks the Lord and here's what he's told to do to make a, a brass serpent, hold that up on a pole and tell the children of Israel to look toward that by faith. And when they looked toward that by faith and believed what they were told in that, guess what happened? They were healed. And in the same way, God sends His Son and He puts His Son on a pole. He puts His Son on a cross that all of us who believe in Him, as sin-sick as we are, we're healed when we look to him by faith. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There, there's a little bit of a, of a possibility as, as I read the book that we're going through in our small group. That if you're not careful, you'll get the wrong message. And that's why I want to detail this out real clearly for a moment. See, people don't show up and all of a sudden be altogether followers of Jesus. That's the discipleship stage. The way we become followers of Jesus is by believing in Him. It says believe. I, I told our small group, although it's kind of a large group that we have, it was a small group here on Sunday evening last week, that when the Philippian jailer came and fell down at the feet, of Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? What did Paul tell him? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what? You should be saved. Either he told him the truth or he lied to him, right? We trust in Jesus for our salvation. We're not talking about you being a follower of Jesus, being a fully committed follower of Jesus, being a pathway to salvation. Salvation happens by faith. Then on the other side of that faith, discipleship is following Jesus. That's the pathway to discipleship, being a fully committed follower of Him. We, we have to believe in Him. The Bible tells us, for God did not send His Son into the world, condemn the world, not that first time, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. That's great news. But look at the other part. Whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The only thing anyone has to do to miss heaven and go to a place called hell is just do nothing and stay just like you are. But it's by believing that we trust in Him. By believing, we can become a follower of Jesus. By believing, we are set to where we can follow Him and be His disciple and practice the self-denial that we're talking about and move from being a fan to being a follower by believing in Him. 
So as we look at this invitation that Jesus gives, this open invitation, first of all, Jesus says anyone is welcome. And as we continue looking at this invitation, we're going to discover this. Anyone literally means everyone. Anyone means everyone. Now, by very definition, if we'll be honest with those two words, those are interchangeable. Anyone, everyone, right? But somehow we don't fully engage that a lot of times in church. It's like we have a hard time accepting that anyone really means everyone. And and because of that, we, we start thinking, well, surely church can't be for just anyone or just for everyone. And to be honest with you, church people and churches in general, and we're a little bit of this by our human nature, we kind of like things to stay the same a lot of times, don't we? And the danger of that is when we're just comfortable with everything being the same, always the same people, always the same clique, always the same group, then all of a sudden our desire for the same becomes a status quo. And the status quo in in a church mentality then that we just kind of want everybody to be like us and stuff like that becomes a standard. And then we'll wind up taking a standard and making it a qualification. In other words, if you're going to come to our church, you have to be like us first. And see, that puts it backwards. That's a cart before the horse. You understand that? That's why Jesus, as he gives an invitation, it's an open invitation when he says, anyone. I think Jesus knew that church people would be like that. He had to because he's God in the flesh, amen? That we would start having our standards and our status quo. And that's why Jesus said some things like he does here in Luke 23 to remind us that there shouldn't be any qualifications. People don't have to meet our standards. People don't have to look and act like us before it's okay for them to come to church. The people don't have to be like circus animals to where we hold up hoops, and we say, if you want to hang out with us, you jump through our hoops first, and then we'll let you hang out with us. See, that's completely backwards. It needs to be an open invitation like Jesus gives to anyone, and that means everyone. Jesus did not have any qualifications that he gave up front to follow him. He got rid of a long list of prerequisites that other rabbis would have been having. Jesus just went and he said, come and follow me. That was the open invitation that he had for people just to come and follow him. He did away with the standard application process of being a student of a rabbi. He said, just with an open invitation, come and follow me. And you see, I'm convinced the church, especially in the day and time and the culture that we live in, we need to kill some qualification mindsets. The where, you know, before you can come to our church. You know, we kind of have our own unwritten codes, don't we? We might not say it. We might not have it hanging on the wall. Sometimes we have it hanging on the wall. There's some things, I don't know if you've ever read and thought about it and read your Bible, there's some things in the traditional church covenant that hangs on the wall that you can't fully support by the Bible. And, and, I, and see, the church covenant was written by men. This was written by God. I'm, telling, I'm just going to stick with this, okay? But we'll have unwritten codes, you know, kind of like this, an unwritten, unwritten dress code, you know. You come to church, 
you've got to dress like we dress. Now, before you think I'm talking about the traditional church crowd, I'm not because I've pastored traditional churches for years. There's just as big of a danger as us being kind of a contemporary type-based church for us to think, you know, we've got our dress code, and if you show up in a suit, we're going to look at you weird. Honest. How many of you, if we had a whole group show up in suits, you wouldn't be thinking, well, what did they dress like that for? See, we can do the reverse of it. Some of you think, man, all those people come in dressed in suits, they're sitting together, must be a pulpit committee. We, we, had that, we had that happen, you know, a couple of years back or, you know, three years ago, maybe now or something, a group came in, really dressed up and, and, and sat there. They had been invited by one of our members, but one of our other members had been around church stuff long enough that he, he thought to himself, that looked like a pulpit committee. He come and asked me, they were in your office, is that a pulpit committee? I said, no, and I kind of laughed, and he, he said, why? And he said, well, to be honest with you, they're here with, you know, one of the, one of the political parties, I won't even say which one, that was in the area working, because it doesn't matter which one, but they'd been invited by one of our members to come, because they were in the area working a campaign, and they came and sat there. But they didn't dress like us. See, we can do the reverse of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we've got some kind of unwritten code that, you know, if we're going to accept you, you have to be like us. If we're going to accept you, you have to carry the version of the Bible that we want you to carry. And don't, if you carry anything else, then, then we're not going to accept you. Or we've got a, you know, some churches that have a, like an unwritten code, you know, length of hair code or clean cut code or, you know, whatever the case might be, you know, that they will have, that they'll try and, and adhere to. Over the last few years, some churches have an unwritten political code. You know, Kylie, to be honest with you, if you're really right with God, then you only vote this way or this political party. And, and kind of an unwritten code like that. Churches that have unwritten codes that deal with things like whether, you know, whether it's a sin or not for anyone to ever consume alcohol or whether it's wrong for somebody to listen to this type of music, this style of music, or if you have to have this income level in order to be part of our church, or if you have to have this social agenda and be just like all of us are socially before you can really be part of our church or our church denomination unwritten code. You have to be part of that right denomination before we really let you into our exclusive club. You see the problem with that? See, the problem with that is that's the way a lot of times we'll operate in church. And the truth of the matter is Jesus said, anyone. And when Jesus said anyone, he meant everyone. Everyone is welcome. As we look at this open invitation of Jesus, not only is, is anyone welcome, and anyone means everyone, but as Jesus did away with these qualifications that I've just talked about, and I think the church needs to kill a lot of qualifications. See, here's the deal with it. Be sure you understand what I'm saying. And I'll revisit it just in a minute. But I'm saying this. For somebody to walk through the doors of this church, and let's be glad they're here, there's no qualification they have to meet to begin with. You understand that? You know, the other side of them receiving Jesus and God, you know, cleaning their life up, sure, there's standards and things like that. But for us to welcome them and want them in, there's not one qualification for anybody to make. Jesus said anyone. But see, when Jesus did away with those qualifications, he also did this. When Jesus did away with these qualifications, the third thing I want you to see this morning is this. No qualifications means no excuses. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. As long as we think there are qualifications that we can't add up to, we use that as an excuse for not following Jesus, don't we? 
See, a, a lot of the people in Jesus' day, like I was giving you the cultural background a moment ago, maybe as a child they longed to sit at the feet of a rabbi. They hoped they could be accepted into the school of a rabbi. But somewhere along the way they were told, you, you didn't add up. You, you know, and, you, and you can't fit in. So now they're going around feeling like they're unqualified. When the truth of the matter is, when Jesus did away with the qualifications, He also does away with our excuses. So you and I can't have an excuse and say, well, I can't follow Jesus because. When Jesus did away with the qualifications, He does away with a lot of excuses that people are hiding behind. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Now I want you to notice there's some active words there that we resist a lot of times. Look at what some of these words mean. There, there's several words right there that, that, that he mentions that we kind of resist because we don't like, you know, come after, deny, take up, follow. But look, look at what they mean real quick. I'll just cruise through them. Come actually means you have to get up and do something, all right? I, I, that's just me paraphrasing it, you know? you're coming after, it's talking about following Jesus, he's giving you an invitation to come after him, it means you know, behind, the back of, deny means to contradict, to disavow, to reject, to refuse, to deny, you see we don't like that part of it at all, we don't like that happening, because that's not where he, where we want to be, the world teaches us instead of deny yourself what, what does it teach you? Go for what you want and live for yourself. You understand as long as you're doing that, you're, you're missing really the most important stuff in your life. See, the reason he tells us to deny ourselves is because that's a huge thing with us. As long as we're on a pity party, we're not getting much done for somebody else. But I found out this, as I start doing something for somebody else and trying to minister to somebody else, my pity party goes away. And in order for that to happen, I have to deny myself sometimes. I'll just, I'm going to stop and illustrate for a moment. Not in my notes, but I thought of it in the first service. But I'm going to illustrate it for a moment. I, by my nature, uh, I can get something on my mind and almost get obsessed by it, you know, just a little bit. You ever, you ever do that? I think I want this. Huh? You, ever, you ever been there? And uh, I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to figure out some way to make it happen. Okay? You ever been there, been there? Yeah, a little bit? My wife would tell you here recently, I've been a little bit about that because I, I've just been finding myself a, a need for a little bit of a pressure release because, you know, my mom had been living with me right now. She's with my brother. Uh, I love my mom, but my brother gets to deal with that right now, you know, for a few weeks. My mom's 92, and she forgets that I'm 55, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and everything with questions and everything like that. So between that and church and stuff, I kind of find myself, you know, needing a pressure release a little bit. So I had a motorcycle years ago when I was, you know, you know, 30 years ago. So I've been kicking around the idea, well, I can't really add in a hobby, so maybe if I bought a motorcycle, you know, they'd give me a little bit of a pressure release. You know, I could ride it back and forth to the church or to the hospital. Then I talked with people like Mike Jacobs, who Mike used to have one. And uh, Mike said, if you think you're going to get a motorcycle and ride on 321 and have a pressure release, you're crazy because you'll have road rage and kill somebody. <laughs> you know. But anyway, you know, you get, you get focused on something like that, and I have been, you know, kind of lately thinking about it and stuff like that. Um, Ashley uh, Oliar Gilbert, that I, I mentioned a prayer request for you, to you, uh, a couple, three weeks ago, 
longer than that now, I guess. But Ashley's a young lady that I told you I married to a soldier. And she moved to Washington State to live there on the base. In three weeks into their marriage, um, he wound up shooting himself. And it, and it seemed to be accidental, you know, after they investigated. But three weeks into her marriage, she loses her husband. So, right about the time the funeral was taking place, they'd been married for three weeks, and, and he really had this longing to have a child, so they started trying right off the bat. So, she found out right about the time his funeral was taking place that she was expecting. She was here at a small group last Sunday night and started hurting, and she found out Monday she had lost the baby. See, I've been there, our third child in, uh, we lost about 14 weeks in. So, you see, I'm sitting thinking this week, and it kind of really minimized whether I ever have a motorcycle or not or care about it. Because, you see, my attention was changed from that to trying to minister to this family. Thursday was Jared's birthday, uh, my son, and uh, he wanted to play guitar up here this morning. Most of you know, some of you may not if you're first time here, <clears throat> but he turned 19, and um, I, I was going to take him out to eat lunch, and we uh, rode around Lenore doing a couple of things first, and uh, uh, come around a curve, and uh, there's this guy getting ready to pitch his bicycle across in front of us, so, you know, since I almost run over him, I do look at him, and I remember there's a guy with a bicycle, so uh, I asked Jerry where he wants to go eat. So he said, well, why don't we just go to the Sonic because it was down the, the, the street. So, you know, we decided to pull into the Sonic to eat. And we, you know, I've ordered our food and everything. We're sitting there. And here in a minute, here comes this guy with his bicycle. And he parks it. And, and, he, and Jerry and me are talking. I see he goes over and he sits down. And I look over there and I see that he's sitting down. And, uh, and we're eating. And I, and, I, and I think to myself, I, you know, I wonder, if, I wonder if he ordered. And I asked Jerry. I said, did he order anything? And and, and Jerry didn't know, and he went back toward his bike, and I thought he had a little pouch on his back, or I thought maybe he was going to get some money out or something. But he didn't. He got his bike and got across the street before I could say anything, and traffic going by, you know, where I really couldn't get his attention. He went on up the street, and, and, I, and I really felt like I, I needed to go try and go find him. Um, and then in, in the mix of things and all, I kind of, you know, by the time we got through, uh, I, I went up forgetting to go the direction that I thought he had gone. But... We finished with some things in Lenore and uh, um, head into uh, um, heading to, to to kind of an appointment. I need to take Jared to the uh, bank and you know help him. He, he's 19 now, so I want him you know help get his first checking accounts and different things like that and and everything. So we're you know heading there, and, and as we're going out, and now I've kind of got a schedule. I feel like I'm needing to meet. As we're going out of Lenore, I see the same guy on the bicycle riding out of Lenore. And uh, you ever been there? You ever wrestled with yourself a little bit? Uh, but I've got this, and uh, and I did. I have that that I needed to take care of, and, and I didn't go, and I've regretted it ever since. So this week, I've got to go try and find the dude in Lenore with a bicycle and buy him something to eat. And, and the only reason I'm telling you all that, it, it's... It's that when we deny ourselves and we make it about somebody else instead of us. You see what I'm saying? We, we need to deny ourselves 
we don't like the thought of that. We don't like refusing ourselves of, of, of anything. And, and then this other phrase, take up. I mean, like to, to lift up. And he's talking about taking up a cross. And we don't like the image of the idea of taking up a cross. But we saw this word study back in the summer in another message. This word was also used to talk about taking up an anchor so the ship can sail away free. To be honest with you, when we deny ourselves and we take up a cross to follow Jesus, that's where you find freedom. Follow Him means to be in the same way with, to be following Jesus, doing what Jesus wants us to do, going where Jesus wants us to go. And we have excuses as to why we don't want to do that. And a lot of times we'll make excuses because we think we're not qualified. A lot of people hide behind excuses. But when Jesus said anyone, He meant everyone. And by virtue of doing that, He did away with excuses. The guy in that day and time that was a tradesman who had been told, you don't stack up, you can't go to rabbi school, all of a sudden starts hearing about Jesus, inviting people to follow him. And the qualifications are now done away with, so that frees him up to feel like he can follow this rabbi, Jesus, that he's hearing about. All of a sudden, some guys that just used to be fishermen mending their nets, and they, they didn't stack up either. That's why they're following the family trade and everything. Now they can, they can follow Jesus. All of a sudden, there's this tax collector that, that even the religious people hated and looked down on him that day. The religious crowd hated him because he was working for the Roman Empire. And he would have felt disqualified to try and do anything religiously probably. And now there's this rabbi by the name of Jesus that calls him to follow him. And now the qualifications are gone and he feels like he can. There's this woman with a bad reputation of ill repute. Who everyone would have looked down on and gossiped about and talked about behind her back. She can come in and sit at the feet of Jesus and hear him teach. And then she can come back to the feet of Jesus while a stinking Pharisee looks down on her and starts to judge Jesus. And she can cry tears of appreciation on the feet of Jesus and take her hair and wipe his feet. Another tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus, a little short guy. People look down on him for being a tax collector and being a little short guy probably. And he hears Jesus is passing by, and he, go climbs, he goes and climbs a tree. And Jesus comes over and looks up in the tree, and he tells him, Guess what? I'm going to go home and eat with you today. All of a sudden, the qualifications are falling down, and he felt like he could do it. There's this crazy man that's living out in the cemetery, running around screaming, cutting himself, abusing himself, can't go live with his family or anything because he's just lost it up there, possessed. Now this man meets Jesus, and this man in his right mind can go home to be with his family. See, when Jesus says anyone and everyone, he does away with the qualifications. He does away with the excuses that we have. So can I ask you what your excuse has been? Has your excuse in following Jesus maybe been, I'm too busy? I don't really have time to do that. I don't have time to follow Jesus. Has your excuse been, I, I'm just working too many hours? 
Or maybe you didn't participate in a small group because you kind of just thought, well, in one, I'm too busy to participate. And two, I, I don't really know the Bible as good as some people do. And if they start talking about the Bible, I, you know, I don't want people to think that I don't know anything. We'll come up with all kinds of excuses. Or, I, you know, I don't tell anybody about Jesus because I don't really feel like I'm equipped to tell anybody about Jesus. But you see, the reality is this. You know how you came to Jesus. Oh, we'll come up with excuses. But I've got the, you know, these TV programs I like to watch tonight. And I know something's going on at church. Or, I, you know, I know I might could go be looking for some guy on a bicycle that maybe needs to eat. But I've got all these TV programs that I want to watch. We, we come up with all kinds of excuses, excuses after excuses. Well, I have problems in my marriage, or I've been divorced, or I used to be an addict, or I did this, I did that in my life. I don't have, you know, my life's not very sexually pure from the past and decisions that I made. And we'll have all these excuses that we'll try and use and say, I don't really stack up. I can't really follow Jesus. And yet, here's the deal. Jesus said anyone, and he met everyone, and he did away with the qualifications. And no matter who you are or what you've done, you can answer the invitation to follow Jesus. We need to drop the excuses. You might have a life that you're not proud of, a past you're not proud of. Drop the excuses and follow Jesus. When Jesus said anyone, he met everyone, and he does away with our excuses. I mean, look at this list. It's just a partial list right here, but, you know, impure sexual past, guess what? He knows about it. He says, come and follow me. Ex-con or an inmate, anyone. Divorced, anyone. A legalist, you know, somebody mean-spirited, hateful legalist, anyone. An alcoholic, anyone. A pothead, anyone. Addicted to something else, pornography or whatever it is, anyone. A hypocrite, anyone. He does away with the excuses. And what we need to do is just follow him. Now here's the catcher for us church people. When we buy into that, and we start to think that, you know, Jesus saying anyone really means everyone. I, I want you to understand something. That means that you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. That means there may be some people start coming to church that might even sit down beside you on the pew that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't dress like you, don't smell like you, whatever the case might be. We, we have to come to the point that we're really, you know, ready and willing to accept a lot of unchurched people for them to walk into our churches and, and we'll be forced to deal with our unwritten codes and be pushed out of our comfort zone and, and be dealing with people of different backgrounds and in different circles and maybe different music, different recreational activities than we, than we like, whatever the case might be. But you see, the deal with that is this. A fan dislikes it because we just want to sit back and admire Jesus. A follower is willing to break down the walls and embrace with open arms people that are different than you are. Because that's what Jesus did. And that's what he calls us to do as a church. Now someone, I'm, I've been around church a long time, guys, okay? Uh, I've been there myself in this. Instantly, someone you know, in your church mindset is going to start thinking, well, we can't just let anyone come to our church. We can't just tolerate anything that people are doing. We see, now get the perspective again right. Anyone can come 
anyone meets Jesus, and then having met Jesus, Jesus changes their life. You understand that? By saying anyone can come doesn't mean we condone everything that somebody does. They come to Jesus first, and then they're taught from this Bible, this is right and this is wrong in your life. But previous to that, it is anyone. No matter if they're like us or not, it's an invitation for anyone to come and follow. Jesus said anyone. It's an invitation first, and then he changes their lives. And if you're going to be a follower, you have to be somebody that's willing to listen, willing to love people, even when they're different than you are. You know how, how we get a stinking mindset at church about stuff? There's some churches that, you know, right now, did, did you hear that kid running across a couple of times up there? There are some church people that will sit back and say, how dare that kid run across that floor up there? They might be heading to the bathroom, but bless God, they could hold it till after the service, or they could be quiet up there. You know what? I'm glad their kid's up there running. I'm sorry. We just got the wrong mindset a lot of times about this church stuff. Jesus gives an open invitation. He welcomed anyone, and anyone means everyone. And with that being the case, that kills the qualifications, so we don't have any excuses that we can make when it comes to following Jesus. The very least we ought to do is this. If you see somebody come to this church and you think they're not like you and they've got a lot of problems and everything like that, if you can't right to begin with open arm and embrace them and try and love them like Jesus would, here's the least that you ought to do. And if you'll do this, it won't take you long to love them. You ought to look at them and understand if, except for the mercy and the grace of God, that could be you. And if you'll do that, it won't take you long to love them like you ought to. And to accept them. To be coming to a church that you attend. Number four, this open invitation of Jesus. Jesus welcomes anyone. Anyone means everyone. That being the truth, it kills all the qualifications. So we don't have any excuses to not following him. But the last thing I want you to see is this. It is anyone. It's anyone, but it's everything. Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself. There's that word again. We talked about it a moment ago. We don't like it. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Let, let him disavow himself. Let him contradict his own desires for following Jesus. Jesus says, anyone, everyone can follow Him. But when we do it, we do it with a mindset of, I'm bringing everything with me to follow Jesus. It's not a little bit in and a little bit there. I'm, I'm following Jesus with all that I am and everything that I am. See, that day and time, if you were to be a Talmud, uh, a student of a rabbi, that meant that you would leave your home, leave whatever you were doing, and you would go, and you would live with that rabbi, and you would follow that rabbi wherever he went. And in other words, if you're following the rabbi, 
And the rabbi, you know, decided to go over and see some sick people and check on them that day. Then, then you're following that rabbi as he lives his life. If, if, that, if that rabbi decides, you know, it's time to, to leave from this town and we're going to go over here for a while. Then the student of a rabbi would just go wherever that rabbi was, was leading him. And they would leave and go to a new place. Wherever the, the rabbi went, the student would go. If the rabbi went to the bathroom, I'm just kidding. But my point is this, that's what they would do. They would follow the rabbi wherever he would go. Now when you're following Rabbi Jesus, the bar gets raised a whole lot. Because you're following somebody that's going to go to the unlovely people and the sick people, the people that that culture and the religious people of that day would look down on. Jesus would go in, in, to lepers when that was a cultural no-no in that day and time. After all, you might get leprosy. I think if Jesus were walking around today, he would be right in some AIDS clinics. I'm sorry, but I think he would be. If you're following Jesus, that might mean that you're in a hot spot situation in a particular town because you've just done a miracle or you've chased all some demons and you're costing people some money, their pigs have drowned, you know, whatever it might be and the people are upset with you or you're, you know, putting the religious crowd in their place, the Pharisees in their place and they're upset with you because they're upset with the rabbi and the rabbi might be persecuted. If you're following Jesus, guess what? You're there being persecuted too. If you're following the rabbi Jesus, that Jesus goes and he lays down on a cross and he's nailed to that cross and he sheds his blood that he might be the sacrifice for our sin that through him you and I can have everlasting life. And while you and I cannot sacrificially die for anybody because Jesus sacrificially died for us, we can sacrificially live for him. So as we follow Rabbi Jesus, it's going to cost us some things. It's everyone, anyone, that's his invitation. No excuses because he dropped the qualifications. Come and follow me. But he warns us up front, if you're going to do that, it's going to cost you everything. It'll cost you your time, your abilities, your talents, your finances, whatever. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you go in whole barrel everything that you have and follow him the greatest teacher that ever lived gave an invitation Jesus the greatest rabbi Jesus God in the flesh Jesus the Messiah Jesus who knows more about us than any rabbi ever knew about any of his followers. And yet Jesus says, come and follow me. He said it to anyone. 
That meant everyone. That means we don't have excuses. But it also means we're to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Him and answer His invitation. Last night, I finished kind of reading back through the message and stuff I'd been studying this week and got up to really get ready to go to bed and I walked by a table in our living room and I saw this and I thought, well, what's that, you know? Uh, Becky had laid it there and had not said anything to me about it. And uh, I stop and look at it, and I start reading it, and I realize, hey, that's an invitation. It says our joy will be more complete if you can share in the marriage of our daughter, Rebecca Jean, to Mr. Joseph Lynn Parsons. She had been going through some stuff and came across this. Uh, on Saturday, the 19th of June, 1900, and uh, I hate to say it, 76, I'm old, okay? At 4 o'clock in the afternoon at Cub Creek Baptist Church, Wilkesboro, North Carolina. I don't, I don't remember who phrased this. I don't know if Becky phrased it or mom or who, but it says, we invite you to worship with us, witness our vows, and be our guest at the reception which follows in the church fellowship hall. If you cannot, uh, if you're unable to attend, um, we ask your presence and thought and prayers uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hubert uh, Daniel White, uh, two of the you know, people who's played a huge role in my life. You might be wondering why I'm reading this. Well, see, this is an invitation that people received that they had to respond to. Matter of fact, before this invitation could be sent out, another invitation took place, and that is for Becky to become my wife. And the day came, and I'm standing back behind the pulpit here at the church, and they're starting to play some music, and I realized that's the last song. I got a little bit nervous, you know, last song, two minutes of freedom left in my life, you know, that kind of thing. But come time to step out, and I come and I step out. And then not only did, you know, Becky accept the, the invitation, uh, you know, just by saying yes, but she accepted the invitation by actually coming down to me. And being joined to me. See, God has an invitation for you. Jesus has an invitation. He's the bridegroom. And we who accept that invitation, we're his bride. And one day there's going to be a reception that we all get to go to after the Mary's Supper of the Lamb. But you have to accept His invitation. And His invitation is to anyone. And that means everyone. So that means quit making excuses. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, say yes to Jesus today. If you have said yes to Jesus, instead of making excuses why you can't follow Him like you ought to, too busy or whatever, drop the excuses. I mean, just drop them. Become a follower, not just a fan. Take everything that you are, everything that you own, 
and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you gave me an invitation. I thank you that you gave me an invitation to believe in you and to come and follow you. And Lord, why I don't always do the best job of it that I can. Don't really have any excuses at work because you did away with me having to jump through hoops in order to follow you. You invite me to follow you wherever that leads Father, I thank you for others here in this place that have already said yes to Jesus. They've already answered the invitation. They have believed in him. But Father, I'm afraid many of those who have believed are, are hiding behind excuses. Maybe they feel like because of their past, they just can't do a lot for Jesus. Whatever the excuse is, too busy, too much going on at work. God, whatever the excuse is, help them to drop the excuses. And God, those of us that know Christ as Savior, help us to be all in. Help us to take everything that we are and everything that we own and follow you. Lord, I pray for some in this place this morning that maybe have never said yes to Jesus. Maybe they've been hiding behind excuses because they felt like they didn't stack up. or Maybe they've some religious person had treated them sometime in their life like they, they, they just didn't qualify. God, I thank you that because of Jesus and his shed blood, you have opened a door that anyone can walk through. By faith, we can trust in him. So, Father, if there's someone here today that's never done that and they've been standing back from church and standing back from following Jesus, from saying yes to him, because of their past, God, help them to see that you give them an open invitation to follow, to come. Help them right now to answer that invitation. And God, help them to answer it with the awareness that that means they're all in, that everything that they own, that they deny themselves and they take up a cross and they follow you daily. Who has this in the name of Jesus? Amen. Band's going to play. If you never said yes to Jesus, God has an invitation for you. Much better than this invitation. Becky got a raw deal. God's got a really good one for you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, why not today? Why don't I just step out as the band plays in just a moment? And come here and just tell us that you realize today that Jesus said anyone and that's you. Everyone and that's you. That he did away with the qualifications. So quit making excuses and just come to him. And I promise we'll have some people stay with you, pray with you, help you to understand more what it means to trust in Christ. If you have any questions, come. You might not have it all figured out right now, but come. We'll have somebody to hang out with you some and try and help. So if you need Jesus, come. But I also invite you during this invitation time. If you've already answered the invitation to anyone, maybe you've not brought everything, 
Maybe you're making excuses as to why you can't do this, why you can't serve Jesus. I invite you as someone that already knows Christ as your Savior. Why not tell Him during this time that you're bringing everything to follow Him? Please stand. God moves upon your heart. We invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Basin Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.